No idea what episode this is, but uh, I see. But we don't do this. Don't let him corrupt you. We don't make our picks right away because then the radio show is over in about ten minutes. Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. <laughs> and he's at it again. <laughs> and the bears are like, well, we've got Bob Evelini. I haven't heard an answer yet, Joe. And he, you're not going to hear one from him. That's, That's not how this show works, old man. <laughs> Herbert, Herbert is pronounced a bear. Oh, no, it's Herbert. No, it's a bear. By the way, I have to apologize. You guys, her writer Jay was right about Justin Herbert. It is Herbert. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. It's uh, it's inauguration day here in America. You're now listening to Surviving the Ground for some reason. Uh, you should probably be doing something uh, more celebratory, but you know, I welcome everybody in who's, who's willing to listen. Uh, we have a rather large crew for tonight to analyze some wonderful football that we've got that's already happened and what's coming up. Um, and some other things along the way, of course, we've got my usual co-hosts. A Bartek Shooter. Good evening, everyone. And uh, Welcome my, back. Yeah. My Bartek's back. And um, and we got my father, Joseph Adante. Hey, 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 Jay. Hey, also Inauguration Day. It's also your birthday. Happy birthday. Well, tomorrow. Not quite. Oh, I got one more day. I say it now. Yeah, three hours. I appreciate it, though. And then, of course, we're bringing in... Uh, a temporary analyst here because this is a big deal. Super Bowl and playoff time is a big deal. So we brought in my brother-in-law, Nate Dent. What's up, what's up? The the one, the only, not replicatable. Um, so, of course, we're going to jump into um, last week's matchups, of course. Um, I think we should go ahead and we should start with the NFC. So got a Packers and Rams game where the Packers pretty handedly took it. Um, I believe that we kind of predicted that as a as a, a coming up. Um, I wanted to get everybody's thoughts on it. I mean, of course, we kind of felt like the Packers are going on. And last week, I actually mentioned that I think the Packers probably have, I think this year, they honestly, they've got the best shot they've had in a while to really, you know, get to the Super Bowl. Not, you know, not necessarily knowing exactly what they're going to do when they get there, but um, let's start, uh, I'll start with my dad on this one. Um, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. We, uh, we were spot on, I think, in our analysis last week about it. And, uh, really the big difference, I think, between this year's team and last year's team is, is the play of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it sounds obvious, but really that's the only other way to, to phrase it. He's playing out of his mind great this year at 37 years old. Well, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a it, Rogers scorn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like he was bad last year, but yeah, you know, last year it just seemed like they were spending a lot of time trying to establish the run. And I can remember, for example, having Rogers on one or two of my fantasy teams last year, and he didn't really do very much. He was getting 12, 13 points a game. And it was mainly just because they were running. It's like every play was a run, and that's fine. You know, you need the run, but, you know, it's like they're doing very little passing. This year, they're just saying the heck with it. You know, we're going to score 35, 40 points a game. And, uh, and they need it because their defense isn't that great. Uh, it's okay. But uh, Rodgers is, is the difference. You take Rodgers off that team, and, you know, they're the Bears. Yeah. No, it's a, 
you know, it was a game where uh, the Rams really didn't apply too much pressure to Rodgers uh, at all. And then, you know, the Packers with uh, about, you know, 500 yards of total offense um, seemed to be able to do what they needed to do at will and just kind of be themselves. Um, I'm not sure whether that was the hardest game they'll have to play, but uh, but no. uh, up to now, I mean, the, other than the Super Bowl, but they're way to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if the Bucks is a harder game, but I mean, I guess it is just because it's Tom Brady and you can never write him off. Uh, Bart, were you were you able to see much of that game? Yeah, I was, and to elaborate on Joe's point, I really think that it's looking like the Packers' year. Sadly, you know, as we're all Chicago fans, and <laughs> it's tough to say, but. It seems like those Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they always have that, like, one run towards their end of their career that still, you know, kind of shows that they still got it. Manning had it with the Broncos. You know, Brady is still doing it. And I feel like this is kind of, you know, Rodgers' year, and we'll see what happens, but my, my bet's on the Packers. Yeah. No, they um, – yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, you know um, – I forgot his exact age. I know he's just kind of like mid to upper 30s. I mean, Rogers Rod- is not like Rogers, he's 40 or anything Rogers yet. is 30, 37. Okay, so there's still some, there's probably a little bit of gas left in the tank, but certainly it'd be nice to cap it off now. Um, and Nate, uh, you're you're the lone Packers fan as a Wisconsinite in the group. Um, yeah, I'd love to get uh, your thoughts on it, then. Let's hear from your side. Oh, absolutely. Cheesehead. Uh, Yes, I am. Uh, with Rodgers only being 37, he had a bad year last year. He was not meshing with the coaching. And, yeah, it, it's, it's been said that, you know, Rodgers is, is the bi- biggest difference. And it's actually Rodgers' brain that's the biggest difference. He's actually yeah. buying into the, the coaching scheme. He's not relying on his arm as much as he knows he can. He's allowing the running game to take fold taking the short plays and and basically playing like the Packers in the early to mid 90s where they'll do the dink and dunk which is a Tom Brady play and then using the run to set up his arm to be able to throw it down the field to whoever he wants you know whoever he he, you know whoever he's got going deep Uh, whether you know it's uh, can be can be Lazard or, or, or even if it's a halfback steam, he he's playing smart. He's not trying to force it. He's not trying to pretend to be Brett Favre. You know he he's playing with his brain. Yeah. Um, you know he he's rolling out when he has to. So he he's playing smart. He's doing what he has to do for the win. Uh, he's not all about stats, even though his stats are out of this world. Um, but that's because he's kind of taken a page out of Brady's book and. For those that may know me, I don't like Brady, but that mindset is how you win championships. Yeah, it's a little, little more uh, tried and true. Um, well, you know, so I guess we've all kind of uh, – did, did you have something else for that quick, analysis? I had, quick, or? I had a quick question for Nate because he's kind of our Packer expert. Is you know, In my mind, even though I know Rodgers has a lot of road to go yet, but see, I think he's better than Favre. I mean, I don't even think it's that close. Overall, I mean, the brain is a different. Yeah, Favre is bigger and stronger and faster and everything. But like I say, the brain is the big difference. And it just seems like Rodgers, uh, you know, if I had to pick one guy on my uh, all-time team, it would be, it would actually be Aaron Rodgers. Well, I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I grew up watching Favre. He was 
you know, by far my favorite player. And then, you know, when Favre was getting towards the end of his career and, you know, you started really paying attention to preseason, you saw this young Rodgers coming out of, what, USC that was awful. He couldn't run. He couldn't make a pass. And then the year before Rodgers was done with the Packers, all of a sudden you saw him being able to roll out and throw on the run. And you're like, wait a second, this guy has something. And then he's developed his play. And, you know, I'm not saying he's the Michael Jordan of football, but like Michael Jordan, he, you know, realized as he's getting older, he can't just throw it hard and fit it into, you know, a two-inch square where that's the difference with Favre. To his last game, he tried to fit a square peg into a round hole. Rodgers is playing to his strengths, playing to his team's strength, just trying to get a win, which is, which makes him incredibly uh, great and one of the best players because he's got the physical abilities of Favre, if not better, but the brain of a Tom Brady, which... You know, you put those together, it's that's hard to beat. Yeah, yeah. see, for me, the big difference with the fire is fire just threw a ton of interceptions, yeah, a ton of turnovers. So that's yeah. I mean, that to me, that's yeah. I would imagine it's it, the brain is going to make the biggest difference in that in that pairing. Um, Rogers obviously being a far more intelligent player, um, but. Um, I want to put the Rams in the rearview mirror here because I think we all kind of felt like that. I mean, it was further apart than maybe we might have thought it was. Um, but I think the one I really want to talk about here is I want to talk about uh, the Bucks and, and the Packers right now because I think that's going to be well. You know, before we go Bucks and Packers, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you, Bart, here because I know you're talking about people trying to do their one last run in the sun, and we had Drew Brees losing his possible last run in the sun um obviously he's he's gone back to considering another year um but that what they were thinking that that was going to be a steamroll because of the previous two games in the season um turned out to work out for brady and the bucks um uh, were you able to see that game bar yeah i was and did you just mention that breeze has changed his mind and he's might do another year next year. He he has uh the there there has been uh, him thinking about, you know. Yeah, the, I don't know how much money be. I would bet on that happening. To be honest, uh, he had a really rough way to end his um, season, and it seemed like he kind of like lost the uh, the fire. You know, like to me, he just wasn't in those playoffs. He was playing really rough. And well, to be fair, I mean, coming yeah. back from those rib injuries, I mean, I don't know how many ribs he cracked, but. I'm pretty sure it was quite a bunch, so yeah, you can't. Well, he, he the Saints, uh, the problem with like looking at him in the playoffs is that the Saints traditionally do have uh, playoff anxiety. And it's, I mean, it's, it's statistically, it's got to be objective that in the playoffs, they just, they run into a wall and they become a completely different team. And they've, they've had so many close losses to teams like the Vikings and, um, and teams that, like, I feel like in the regular season were steamrolls, and then the playoffs just end up being kind of rough for them. But um, So his performance in the playoffs doesn't particularly bother me, other than the fact that even if he were to get to another playoff, would it just happen again? Um, I think really it just depends on what it's worth in his mind. 
Yeah, and also Michael Thomas didn't show up either, I would say, in these playoffs. So it was a rough way for the Saints to go. But I said if, you know, if hypothetically the Bears could have gone to the Saints matchup, or I mean, if, if they could have been the Saints matchup, it's uh, the Saints were the one team to me that could have blown it, you know? And yeah. uh, honestly, when I, well, I when, mean, that they, guy, they... when that guy dropped it, that was it. That was their chance, you know, out the window. <laughs> I think if he would have caught it, that was... Uh, they could have been moving on to lose to the Packers one more time, but yeah, really, I mean, realistically, they were going to play the Packers, which was going to be a mess. Um, I mean, if they had to play the Bucks, I mean, they did beat the Bucks early in the year, but it was close. Um, so you'd imagine they'd probably lose that game now, but um, but yeah, um, Dad, I want to get your feelings on the Breeze situation. Yeah, I would have to uh, agree that uh, he didn't seem to have the same fire as he had in the past. And, and like I said, maybe the cracked ribs were a major factor. Uh, but, I, you know, we kind of, even though we were, we both predicted New Orleans was going to win that game, we were kind of spot on in terms of, we just said, well, one, we don't know which Tampa Bay team's going to show up. You know, the Tampa Bay got killed twice in the regular season by New Orleans. But, you know, they showed up. And then the second thing is impossible to predict is four turnovers. Yeah, that was clearly that was the that was the absolute death for the Saints was was the you know thousand cuts yeah. and turnovers. Yeah, who could have predicted that? I think they got twenty one points, Tampa Bay off turnovers, and really that was the ball game. And the Saints have a better team overall than Tampa Bay. Yeah, but you can't predict the turnover, and that's like I said, that's why we watch. You know, the unpredictable can happen sometimes. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, as far as Breeze coming back. You say, who knows? It wasn't looking too good at the end of the year, but you know the thing is, you don't know. You're off. You have the off season for several months. Might heal up. Might you know your mind wanders and you think about things over the months. Could change his mind. He hates to go out like he did. Let's be honest. He's had a fantastic career. First round Hall of Famer. He did win a Super Bowl. That puts him right up there with Jim McMahon. <laughs> first so, ballot. First ballot. But uh, will he? Uh, well, the one Super Bowl win puts him with Jim McMahon. Yes. Yeah. But wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm so, I am so sorry to interrupt. Uh, doesn't Jim McMahon have two Super Bowls? <laughs> 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 I was waiting to see if you'd bring that up. Got to bring. Well, it up. Jim Mc, Jim McMahon, I think, was technically on the Packers roster when they won their Super Bowl a while back. Yep. But I don't think he ever did. He ever even suit up for a game? I don't remember. End of the bench. <laughs> End of the bench. He was he was number, uh, you know, fifty three on the fifty three man roster, I think. Um, but you're right. Technically, I guess he he does have two physical rings. So I guess he so he's so he's below Jim McMahon. Yeah, you you heard it on you heard it on Surviving the Ground. Drew Brees is is not as qualified as Jim McMahon. <laughs> no, you but all kidding here. all kidding aside, though, you know, there's going to be one big question: Does he want to go out like that? Yeah. You know, versus does he have that fire? Right now, I agree. He doesn't look like he has that fire. But, you know, several months off, you know, it can change. I mean, my goodness. Uh, and I think, Joe, I think that's why he wants to come back or is contemplating it because he went out so bad, you know. And, like, yeah. that just looks yeah. – it's such a dent on your resume. You know? It wasn't to be really, known yeah. as a Hall of Fame quarterback. And, you know, the Hall of Fame quarterbacks don't go out like that. I mean, he'll still make the Hall of Fame, but – I yeah. know he wants to be in that upper echelon of quarterbacks. So. Yeah, Nate, I see you turning on your mic. I was about to ask you about the breeze and situation, how you were, where it sat yeah. with you. Earlier today, um, Drew Brees' wife uh, posted on Twitter 
that he has been suffering from a torn rotator cuff, uh, torn fascia on his foot, and having 11 broken ribs and a, a partially collapsed lung. And he's been playing all year. So while, yes, if he heals up over the, the summer and, and plays next year, he, he possibly could have a, a better year. But, you know, he is a family man. And if his wife's posting this on Twitter, I'd like to think that he's having some serious conversations with his family, like, hey, what's my life going to be like, you know, if I continue to play? Because so many good players and great players play one or two or three seasons too long. Look at Jerome Bettis and in, in, in his book that he wrote, you know, for years after he finished his final game, he was sliding downstairs on his butt because his back, his legs were so banged up and he was in so much pain that he could barely live. So, you know, it, it's that double-edged sword where he's, he's going to have a lot of time to think, you know, and talk with his family. Is it worth the rest of my life being kind of banged up? Do I want to continue playing football with my kids, throwing touchdowns like he did with, you know, um, with Brady after the game, which was kind of cool to see, but it's, it's, it's got to be tough. Yeah. yeah, and I think, um, yeah, and quality of life is obviously is the main question. I know Breeze, Breeze will make the argument because he's a competitor and he'll, he'll um, uh, the, I'm sure both sides are being considered. Um, well, so so without talking too much about them, because I'm sure we've talked, we've talked about the pack a lot and we're going to come up to the Bucks now, but in context of their matchup with the Packers. So you've got, uh, Tampa Bay, they're going to be playing Green Bay in Green Bay. Um, you got Tom Brady, who it, they they had a lot of good points, but it was it was a really rough game with the Saints and the Packers' offense has been running like I've never seen it. Um, Nate, I wanted to get your thoughts on the on the Packers Bucks matchup this weekend. So, like you said, I, I won't go too much into into the Packers, but they've played. They're going from the number one pass defense to the number one rush defense two weeks in a row. So, you know, you're talking about sorry, pass and and run. So with the the Bucks being so good against the run, they have to stay true to what they are. Stop the run, and you are going to force the Packers into being what they were when you beat them, you know, a handful of weeks ago. I know that was earlier in the season, but still. Yeah, if I think you it was can week, week force, six, I think. Yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, if you can force them to be one-dimensional, then you're forcing Rodgers to be what he was last year because all they really had was throwing. And if you... You know, granted, last year their their receivers weren't quite as in tune with Rodgers as they are this year, uh, and I'm not saying that you know the Packers still won't be able to beat them in the secondary if you just go pass happy, but they weren't able to do it last uh, you know in Week Six. So, do what you do: stop their run, stop their three-headed monsters in the backfield, play good coverage, and you can win this game. Yeah, there's definitely. Um... You know, we've seen a lot of spurts from the Bucks where, again, I know we were just talking about, it, but you never know which Bucks team you're going to run into. Um, and the reality is, they've shown so many times where they've been able to really put up some good passing attacks on defenses that weren't ready for it. Um, 
and yeah, and then on occasion, I'm able to put up, do this, do similar things with a running game. So, um, the Saints one that was a huge shock to me because I thought they were going to be, they were going to get grinded up. Um, so I start to believe anything's possible for for the Bucks. So realistically, um, that's a hard one to pick. I mean, I'm going to have to stick with the Packers because I think they're going to get all the way to where they need to be. I, I think they're going to get to the Super Bowl this year. Um, but yeah, Dad, I want to come over to you um, and get your thoughts at least on the, the Bucks angle to this to this matchup. Yeah, I, I would have to echo uh, what Nate was saying. Certainly in week six, obviously, we, we mentioned this last time on our podcast. In fact, uh, Buckner's killed him. It was 38-10. to 10, And I don't think the game was as, as close as the score indicated. Uh, it was pretty effortless. They had to call off the dogs, I think, in this first half. It was such a lopsided score. You're not going to see that again, obviously. Green Bay's, I think, much improved. Um Passing attack, much improved. Running's improved. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm with you. I think Green Bay is going to win. Rodgers just playing out of his mind. But Tampa Bay, like I say, you don't know who's going to show up. Is it going to be the team that beat the Packers 38-10, to 10, or is it going to be the team uh, shortly around that time lost to the Chicago Bears? You, know, <laughs> you just don't know from week to week who's going to show up. Yeah. But, uh, no, you got to favor the Packers. I, I feel fairly confident the Packers will win. Certainly the Bucks could. They've got tremendous uh, quarterback, obviously, still at age 43. Uh, a whole plethora of receivers that are dangerous. A couple good running backs. Very good defense. It's a solid team. But, like I say, I just, it sounds like a broken record, but the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, and, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game. All right. So yeah, I was gonna say that the uh, the Packers are my pick as well, mainly because Brady he just hasn't been I would say he hasn't been that precise and that accurate this year. And when you're going against Rodgers, I feel like you have to be you have to match that uh that uh the precision accuracy. And even though what Brady's doing at his age is very impressive, and there might not be another quarterback that could be able to do that at that age, it's still I don't think it's gonna be enough to get them to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't. I wouldn't imagine. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just playing with an absolute intensity. Go ahead. No, I was hoping someone would say the Bucks because I was getting ready to throw down a bet. You're not. You're not gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna get it from here. I don't think. Well, I got. Yeah, I was just in Vegas. I lost enough money, so. No, it would definitely not have been money. Uh, I, as a as a shareholder of the Packers, I was going to bet tickets to the owners' meeting. <laughs> well, you know, there's an old saying, Nate. I may have been born at night, but I wasn't born last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What do I have to bet against it? I, mean, I don't know. Straight up. Uh, Whatever you want. You I have bet a beer. Oh, I have no idea. You um, can bet one of my beers. So okay, so wait. So how is this bet working? So if I were to say I was going to go with the Bucks, what what if, happens? If the Bucks win, then I take you to the owners' meeting. If the Packers win, you get me a beer. Fine, I'll will take that. I'll take that bet. Straight up. Yeah, you got to take it. the The reward if you win is uh, a lot greater 
than uh, I, I'm, than I'm just being a, I'm just being a financial person here. And <laughs> worst case scenario, we get to drink together. Best case scenario, you get to go to Lambeau Field for free and go to the Packers Hall of Fame for free. Well, that yeah, that that is a that's a plus. All right, so fine, I'll go Bucks, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I'm going Bucks because of the reasons my father was telling me. And that's because uh, Tom Brady has been shown that he can put up some big numbers and he can hang in there. Their defense has been hanging in really well. And I love, absolutely love all the people that he's been throwing to this year. Um, I, I love the pickup of Antonio Brown, Mike Evans. I've won money on him scoring a touchdown uh, this year in, in a game. or I think it was the first touchdown of the game was going to be Mike Evans. Um, I love Godwin because I got in on him last year. They got Scotty Miller who makes appearances. Um, I believe Cameron Braid is still there. So their tight end play is pretty chill. Rob, of course, got the Gronks. Uh, running back seemed good. Even Fournette showed up last week. Um, so yeah, so fine. I will take your bet, and I'm gonna go. I'll go with the Bucks this week. Let's see if they can do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna. I'm going to go ahead and say that I think that Aaron Rodgers, uh, as well as they've been playing, occasionally they suffer from playoff anxiety the same way the Saints do. And that's what usually ends up dismantling them in the end. Yeah, I feel like that might happen in the Super Bowl. Um, but the next fan, I don't know. It'll be a good game, that's for sure. Uh, but is that which game's first next weekend? Is it the uh, NFC game or the AFC game? That's a good question. Complete silence. I have no idea, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll let you guys Google that one. <laughs> wow. We're here for now, so it's not scheduled dates. A complete stump. The Packers play at 2.05. Oh. Uh, Bills, Chiefs, 540. All thank right. you, thank you, thank you. Hey, Dad, are you still there? Or are you muted? Because I uh, can't tell. You know what? Players. I got muted. I got muted somehow. Don't ask me how. <laughs> but I was going to say, at the end, I was answering and then people were ignoring me. I thought, some, you know, maybe I lost respect or something. But <laughs> Don't listen to him. He's just an old man. Don't listen to you him. You just couldn't hear me. No, the, the NFC game's first. I was going to say, I already Googled it. It's, uh, yeah. A little after 2 o'clock. You and, not, yeah, me. I thought you lost connection because you not jumping in immediately was a warning sign. Like I was trying to figure out if I should be calling nine one one or something. <laughs> and there were, he's clearly he's not he's not answering this question, so he must be passed out on the floor. Ah, I was I was sitting here yelling. I already googled it. No one was here, man. Like, oh man, my, <laughs> my just, microphone's not lit. <laughs> it's just me and just me and Bart just laughing at each other here while you're yelling at your computer. Um, so okay, so we know. You know that, so we know the nighttime matchup is going to get us uh, Bills-Chiefs. So let's talk about the Bills and Ravens game from the weekend. So the Bills beat the Ravens, obviously. Um, I would say that was the biggest disappointment of the uh, of the weekend. I thought that might be the best game of the week weekend, and it definitely wasn't. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think realistically that, I think last week we were talking about that, and I think that was that was billed as what we thought was the week, the, the game that was going to be really hard to pick. I mean, we went with the Bills, obviously, because Josh Allen's been balling out. Um, and my, my funny thought about it is I actually think Josh Allen, he reminds me a lot of you, Bart. Like, I honestly think he kind of <laughs> looks like, that? I think he looks <laughs> like you. 
Like I'll it's, take it. That's it's, a it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's eerie sometimes. Uh, and then he's gotten a lot better this year. He really yes. Has. Yeah. He's been absolutely sharp. Uh, Diggs has helped a lot to get him out of that rut. Um, and they've just, they've had an all around attack. And obviously as long as he can stay healthy, uh, he provides them with some more ground game and, um, and that helps a lot as well. For the uh, Ravens, didn't that one guy get two? He hit the uh, uprights twice, right? That's, that's yeah, that yeah. Tucker, Tucker, Tucker was a uh, nut uh, having a very good game. I was really sad because at one point it was only like three to seven, and I think Tucker had already missed two field goals and they shanked a punt. And I was like, "Are you serious? You you only have sounds like a like, Bears game." Yeah, it's like you only have seven points. Yeah. You know. Um, but Nate, I know we've had you kind of quiet. Did you were you able to catch that game? I was. Nice. What are your thoughts on that game? So many. Uh, it was not exactly what I was expecting going into the game at all. But you know, obviously injuries and uh, turnovers play, you know, have a big impact. But you know, it's it was shocking how how well the defenses you know both played and. You know, it, they didn't really play as well as they did all season. So, I don't know. It, it, it's it was just a really interesting, weird game to watch. Uh, overall, I I'm actually more curious what everyone else had to say and, and just kind of respond to them because yeah, you know, just kind of watching it all, it was, it was just kind of at a loss because you know, quarterback play, you know, you're expecting you know what you see all year, and it, it just wasn't there. Well, it was definitely one of those things where realistically, I mean, I can tell you I did not expect the score of that game to be 17-3. to um, I think by far that's one of the biggest surprises uh, to me was just how low scoring that game was. Uh, I know obviously Jackson had his issues in the game and, um, you know, and at some point the game was just lost for the Ravens, but, you know. Well, if, you take a look, if you take a look at the, uh, the Ravens, they had been they had won a whole bunch of games in a row coming into this one, but the the issue is is that they were doing it just almost exclusively with the run, very little passing, almost none. Yeah. And they were very successful, but the thing is, Buffalo figured a way to stop the run, including mainly how to stop Jackson from running. They kept him contained. You know, they were rushing, but not too heavy where where he could you know Jackson could just run for first downs handily. They kept him contained, and they kept the run contained, and that was it. Their passing game was was nothing, and uh, that to me was the key. You know, the, the Ravens need to become a more complete offensive team, and not just run and rely on Jackson all the time to to run them for first downs. Yeah, that, that I mean, clearly that was, you know, obviously you know you you live by the run, you die by the run. So um, being one dimensional is going to really to take you down. Uh, the one thing Jackson did benefit from was um, Bill's fans' notorious generosity. Um, Nate, I'm sure you saw this, Bart, you, Bart and, my, and uh, Dad, you might have seen this as well, but um, after that game, uh, over the weekend or the early parts of this week, uh, Bill's fans have actually donated like $360,000 to uh, Lamar Jackson like charities that he supports. I didn't know that while it's... Yeah. They're, 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 they're kind of notorious for doing that. I forgot the exact specifications of the story before, but they had donated to a team, to a player's 
um, to a player's charities that he supported because he beat a team that got them into the playoffs. Like, you know, beat a team. So, like, Bills fans, as as notorious as the Mafia is, they're also ridiculously generous. Yeah, as of this morning, it was over $700,000. Holy crap. It was only at, like, three sixty yesterday. Yeah, it's 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 insane, which which is super cool. But there's a part of you that's like, okay, you know, it kind of almost feels feels like insult to injury or or, or whatnot. But you know, they, know. Yeah. you shouldn't be able to win a game just by spying the QB the entire day, and yeah. that's basically what they did. They just left a linebacker that just floated and followed him, which is, I guess, what you have to do when you're playing a such a mobile quarterback like him. You know, dating all the way back to, you know, Vic and McNabb and, you know, all those players before them. Uh, you shouldn't be able to just throw a linebacker to, to shadow them and, and be able to win the game. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it was uh, it was just such a sad game. But um, so the main one that the main disappointment for me from the weekend was obviously the Browns and Chiefs. Um, I, I had really gotten personally hyped up from their win over the Steelers. Um and Dad, I know you you were over for that game, weren't you? You were actually over here while that game was happening. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I was there for the the Browns and the Steelers the week before. Was I there for the Browns in Kansas City? No, no, sorry. I, yeah, I meant the Steelers one. I got super hyped for that when they went up like twenty eight nothing in the first yeah, quarter. Yeah, I was at your house for that one. Um, and I got super excited for that, and I started to sort of believe that they could probably handle the Chiefs. And based on like some of the things that had been happening to the Chiefs, they kind of had them contained for a while. Um, and I was, I was really surprised that that game actually ended up being a grinded out match more than you know more than I had originally thought it would. You know, it's surprising, and and I I haven't verified this, but I, I had just read the other day that the Chiefs haven't won a game by more than six points since early November. And that kind of surprised me, you know, if you don't follow them too closely, because you think of them having this unstoppable, you know, tremendous offense. And uh, defense probably just mediocre, I suppose. But if that's really true, I mean, it just means that, uh, you know, they they can be beaten. You know, even though they've only lost two games all year, one they just kind of gave away but at the end of the year. But uh, it's shocking to me, but they haven't won a game by more than six points in a couple of months almost. Well, that definitely, well, that definitely influences my, my next, uh, my pick for this week's game quite a bit, just because, I mean, here's the other thing. Well, you know, I'll get the thoughts first. Um, Bart, I know you love, I know that, you know, I love uh, my Browns. Um, I don't know what you were able to see of the game or if you watched any highlights afterwards or anything. Do you have any takes on Browns Chiefs? Well, I would say that ended up being the uh, the game of the weekend and just so many different variables that happened. And honestly, the, the Chiefs uh, could have blew it, in my opinion. That fourth down call was just, you know, it was a ballsy call and it came through. But if that play didn't go through, you know, I think the uh, – the Browns definitely could have had a shot well, at the AFC title game. Well, you know, I knew that I knew they were. I knew that they were. I said this last week that I that I believed the Browns Chiefs. That was the hardest game the Browns were going to play. Um, I thought if they won that game and they moved on to either Bills or Ravens, because we didn't know at the time, I figured the Browns stood a chance. And then honestly, I thought they stood a chance against the NFC more than they did the Chiefs. So them putting up a fight against the Chiefs was a it was a big deal, but. 
I honestly, I thought that was going to be the toughest game that the Browns would play in the playoffs up to the Super Bowl. Um, and I think, you know, everyone's giving that fourth down play some big credit, but I would have, but that run by Henny, I think is honestly is the big game changer in my mind. Um, is how you let someone like Chad Henney get open to, to, you know, almost convert such a huge uh, third down. Well, that's uh, what I was going to say. The Browns have the Browns have known to blame but themselves. I mean, they had opportunities as as you mentioned to win, and really just blew it. I mean, you had Mahomes out for how long? Most of the fourth quarter, I think, and they had all kinds of chances, and they just didn't cash them in. Well, I knew that Higgins. I knew that Higgins play in the end zone was going to come back to bite them. I I, knew, I just somehow I felt like that was going to be, that was a turning point. Um, when he uh, when he reached for the goal line and and drew a touchback from fumbling into the end zone. Yeah, I feel like NFL games they they really like uh, tell the story during the game. You know what's going to happen. It's just so much momentum, and that's like you said, one of those key plays and. We could go back to the Ravens game where, you know, where you get two uh, missed field goals. It just kind of sets the tone for how the game's going to go. It was so early, like too. More than any other sport. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, no. and uh, Well, yeah, because you see so many times in, in basketball or uh, or any other sport, you see so many kind of like, oh, they were, you know, you see a team and they're up by 20. And you're like, it's not over, you know. <laughs> it's... It, you know, very, very rarely have I watched many basketball games where someone didn't stand a chance of suddenly coming back, you know, through various momentum shifts in the game. But obviously that the with that with that Ravens game, the field goals and the punt and the shanked punt were pretty early in the game. But uh the Browns for the first half they held on super well defensively. Um the offense just didn't really crank up. And then the third quarter was a was a big kick for them and then uh, the fourth quarter, they were still kind of holding tight, but they just couldn't couldn't quite hang in there. Um, Nate, I want to get your thoughts on uh, Browns Chiefs here. Yeah, it's the Browns Chiefs was the quintessential game that announcers call. You know, everyone makes their ridiculous comments about who's going to win, how they're going to win. Everyone ends up saying some semblance of the same thing turnovers ball position you know uh, you know that's going to be what sets it apart and a lot of times okay yeah it plays a role this game was legitimately that it was mistakes made that cost games it was the for lack of better terms the the audacity of a coach to call specific plays um, you know, I, I don't think that the the Chiefs win without their coach. You know, it, it, coaches don't get enough credit for what they do, but, you know, oh, yeah. to call the plays that they called at the time they called it, that's what won the game. I wanted the Browns to win personally because, just like you, I wanted to see the Browns continue this because, God, they need this. Yeah. You know, more than any other team – but I look forward to seeing what the Browns can do next year now that they realize and start having that confidence. Heck, hey, we can hang with the big boys. Yeah. So it, it was a such a fun game to watch. It, it was definitely not the game expected, uh, but it, it came down to 
to you know the bare bones. It, it was the mistakes made and, and when they were made. It was crucial. So often you see interceptions thrown, but nothing happens. This was every time something happened negative, they paid for it. Yeah. No, it was it was a, yeah it was a eye for an eye uh, trade basically all all the way down. Um, so so the Chiefs come out of that game narrowly, um, but but at what cost? You ask yourself, of course. Uh, Mahomes missing basically the entire fourth quarter in concussion protocol. Um, and of course, the first thing on everybody's mind is, you know, is he going to, is he going to be able to actually clear a protocol to, to make it to the next game? Cause my thought was great. I'm so glad they had to beat the Browns. Now I get to watch a Mahomes list chiefs play the, you know, the Buffalo bills who are fresh and hot off their, you know, off a huge playoff run. You know, I would have rather see the Browns play that game full staffed. But um, as of this point, uh, Mahomes has cleared some bars and practiced uh, limited today. Um, but uh, things are things are looking kind of 50-50. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming at some point sort of like many COVID protocols that they'll find some way to get him to play. Um, but, but I know that that's definitely been a worry on people's minds is whether or not he'd be able to clear concussion protocol by Sunday. So what I heard is, I mean, I think he's going to play, and I heard that the Vegas lines are portraying him as uh, the lines as he's going to play, the numbers. So yeah, um, I just feel like, you know, the NFL does have its strict policy with the concussion protocol, but for some reason I just don't see them not letting him play in such an important game. Well, and, I, and I hear people saying that he didn't get a concussion, he got choked out. So, yeah. you know, I guess that's less damaging than a concussion because I hear like... Um, People in the UFC say they'd rather get choked out than, uh, you know, knocked out. Yeah. I mean, I guess in, in, in theory, at least, it still is going to cause you to go through the same protocols. And I would imagine that if it wasn't a concussion, he should be able to get through those protocols without too much um, uh, too much craziness. I mean, the reality is they have strict rules on concussion protocol, but the NFL has much stricter rules on money. So, yeah, I think they're... <laughs> they, I think not having Mahomes play is going to be uh, is going to make that game a little interesting. I mean, Chad Henney could have his way with the Browns, but I don't think the Bills are going to let him get away with it. If he doesn't play, uh, I'm betting on the Bills. But yeah. if he does, I'm taking the Chiefs. All right, so I got so I got that from you, Dad. I'll, I'll let you go on the on the Bills Chiefs coming up. You can talk about Mahomes or give us your prediction here. Yeah, the uh, you know you mentioned that. He was a, a partial participant or limited participant today, but from what I hear, that was kind of just a glorified walkthrough. Walkthrough, so it's kind of hard to evaluate. Um, so right now, yeah, I, I have to. I think he will play. I agree. Um, the stakes are huge, and although, although there is a protocol, I mean, you got to pass, I guess, an independent neurologist as well as a team doctor. But eh, like I say, they always figure out some way to get those guys to to play, especially in a, in a playoff game like that. So I think he probably will play, and, and I agree. If he plays, I'd have to give the Chiefs the edge, only mainly because they're at home. And as I mentioned before, they are beatable. And if there's a team that's going to beat them, I, I think it'll be Buffalo. Because Buffalo has really been hot these last couple of months. Uh, maybe the best team in football, even, the way they've been playing. But uh, I'd have to give the edge to the Chiefs in a big game like this, if Mahomes plays. And if he doesn't, no, I, and I think Buffalo will win. Um, the quarterbacks tell the tale. And this one is as well. Like I say, Allen's been playing lights out. 
He slowed down a little bit against Baltimore. Of course, they have a great defense. Yeah. But but Allen has just been playing lights out all season long. The accuracy has been much improved. Decision making much improved. Much interceptions way down. Touchdowns way up. And uh, I think he's actually been running less. It seems like, especially when he's near the goal line. Just a, a tremendous uh, improvement over this past season. All right, Nate, I'll go to you now. So we've got some picks going on here. So uh, go, go ahead and give us your, your thoughts on um, on Bill's Chiefs. I, I just think there's too much money involved. Mahomes is going to play. Uh, Favre made a comment this week, you know, directed straight at Mahomes, that you know he played 321 straight games and that it goes against everything he stands for but told Mahomes he's got to be smart. He's got to look at his long term because if he plays this week and he is not 100%, he is jeopardizing millions of dollars through the rest of his career. But the issue is so many of these guys, understandably so, are so competitive and want that championship that they're like, I am two games away from getting what I want. I'm going to play. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, if he's cleared by the doctors, that it's legitimate, you know, and and if it is, if he's on there and he's 100 percent, there's no way the Chiefs aren't aren't winning this game. I mean, I just don't think it's happening uh, as well as the Bills are playing. Well, and and realistically, I think the the sad thing about that is, well, I definitely agree with the fact that Mahomes, if it's not an honest clear, he, he really shouldn't suit up. Um, you'd imagine maybe you know that if it's like, oh well, I can't believe you blew this the Super Bowl. I mean, you just won the Super Bowl, you know, and you've got it like ten more years of this guy, you know, maybe wait and make sure that he can last the ten years. Um, I'm gonna go against some of the grain here. I honestly, my dad's point about uh, the possibility that the, that the Chiefs have not been winning a lot of games by large margins lately. Um. I actually, I, I think that there's a chance the Bills might be able to pull this out, regardless, regardless of which quarterback you see behind the Chiefs. Um, like he said, Allen has been dramatically improved. Diggs has been an absolute wonderful asset. Um, uh, the running game has been has been up and down, but for the most part, they've at least got some quality backs that they can go to when, when needed. And they're good pass-catching backs also when needed. Um, tight end play has been good. and I mean, it all revolves around Allen, but their defense has been strong as well. Um, so I think I'm actually going to go with the Bills, but I will note that with a... I'll put an asterisk on that, and it's notated that I think it'll be very, very close. Um, honestly, it, it'll be a bigger margin if Mahomes doesn't play. But if the Bills, if I think they're going to win, it's going to be very late in the game. Um, so, okay, so we've got the games from last weekend wrapped up. We've got the games from this weekend. We've tied that loose end up. Uh, Dad, I know you wanted to touch on some Blackhawks lately. Uh, not not the not the best of news, but uh, news as it is. Yeah, I. It's sad. But I think we need to at least touch upon the Hawks before we depart here. Uh, at the time we had our last podcast, I think they had just played one game. Well, now they've played four. And things haven't changed too much. <laughs> After four games, the Blackhawks have uh, four losses. 
but one was in overtime, so they have a point. So out of a possible eight points, they have one point so far this year. But uh, And they've given up uh, 20 goals in four games for a snappy 5.0 goals against the Holy average. Holy shit. So, you know, the goals that they've scored, they've scored nine goals against 20 given up. You know, they've come from pretty much the usual suspects. You know, Dominic Kubelik joined the party last game, had a couple of goals. Of course, Patrick Kane's got a couple of goals. DeBrink has got a couple of goals. Uh, it did have a breakthrough, as someone mentioned before the broadcast. Rookie Philip Khrushchev scored his first ever goal. Uh, Strom, I think, has a, another a goal as well. So usual suspects with the exception of the one rookie. So, you know, the assessment is, um, you know, they've used all three goalies now. Delia, Lankinen, and Subin now. All three are awful. or have been awful limited duty so far. The defense has <laughs> been bad, and the offense has been bad. Other than that, pretty complete team. Uh, I feel other, you're feeling uh, very negative. <laughs> it's a, yeah, no, it's um, unfortunately, I think in a lot of Chicago sports, you're not given much of a choice, um, to, you know, to not be negative. Um, well, yeah. No, so I mentioned, I, I, I did mention, I like last podcast, and I agree. They've got some good players, obviously. I mentioned some of them, Kane and Kubelik, and a few others are really good to bring it. So they're going to win some games this year. But they well, just have a lot of a young relief. players. They just have a lot of young players, and it was kind of a rebuilding year. Uh, of course, Jonathan Taze is out, and Seabrook's out, and they lost to Crawford to retirement. So... I'm actually not trying to drive them into the ground. Don't get me wrong. Uh, this was expected. I'm not surprised. I think they're trying as hard as they can. And like I said, they'll, they'll win some games. You know, in professional sports, I don't think you're going to go 0 and 56. But uh, it's just going to be a long season. If you're a Blackhawk fan, it's going to be a very, very, very long season. That's all. <laughs> in reality, I think they're only one are two pieces away from having a, a decent season. You know, if we look at the the goals they've scored, you know. Two games against the Lightning, one goal and two goals. Okay, well, you're playing the Lightning. You know, that's going to happen. Then you're going against the, the Panthers. All right, so you got two and four. So they're scoring goals. They just need a little bit better goaltending. Their goaltending has been awful. Yes, they need to reduce the shots on target. They need to bring that down a lot. But, you know, if you're putting in as many goals as you are, you should be seeing more wins. So clearly that, that seems to, to, to go towards, all right, you have a huge deficiency at your goaltending, which you know, you've already touched on, wild, wildly apparent. But if they're able to plug that to get those down, they can start seeing these you know, two-goal games that they're having you know, be two-to-one instead of two-to-five because some of these goals are you know, little weak goals that are, that are still goal, a goal's a goal, but... You know, it's they're letting some bad ones in. Well, yeah, I agree, and that's what I'm saying. I think that they are going to win some games this year, especially you know, if Taves comes back. Obviously, that make a big difference, and uh, I, I do expect the defense and the goaltending to tighten up a little bit. But they're, they're obviously, I'm just saying, they're they're not going to contend this year. So I don't think we should have false hopes about that. Um, yeah. So yeah. How's that? That's your you black. Just trust the coach. Coach has got a two-year extension. So, <laughs> Someone does. 
That's someone, very Chicago-like. Someone, I got. I got to believe yeah, this last is. two last two games against the Florida Panthers. Of course, the opposing coach is Joe Quenville, former <laughs> Blackhawk. Way. And of course, they beat us two straight. So he, he has to be really delighting uh, every time he plays the Hawks. The other the final thing I was going to mention. I said this last podcast. You know, they they changed all the divisions in hockey this year dramatically. So now we're in the same division with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the, the Detroit Red Wings and the Panthers and so forth. So, you know, we'll see, have to see how that works. We're gonna, and, uh, my understanding is all 56 games are going to be against division opponents too. So you're going to play the Lightning a lot. So good luck with that. <laughs> and that's your Blackhawks corner. <laughs> just, just a pit of, uh, just a pit of despair. Um, Bart, I wanted to give you uh, the floor for some impromptu basketball, basketball, basketball. Yeah, basketball has been pretty eventful to start. Um, my fancy team has been has uh, had a total of ten injuries, uh, two torn ACLs, two <laughs> fractured, two fractured feet, oh, boy. Uh, four people on with COVID, and uh, one guy lost his sight for like three weeks. So my fancy season's already over. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Tell me who you pick so I don't pick them up. <laughs> well, I had to. Are you fucking like? Is it just like if this? You know, no, you I'm just not, see. You just I'm see. Not, it, I'm not kidding. You just could, see an O next. To, off. You just see an O next to their name, and it just says blindness for like three weeks next to their name. Your your fantasy basketball team's got more injuries than my fantasy football team. <laughs> I think yeah, it was I, just a rough start from the beginning. I had the 12th pick out of 14. So let let you know, just for the sake of laughs, let me just read you the list. I think your team. I think your team might be playing the wrong sport. I think they're. You picked players that are not playing basketball. They're playing something else. Okay. So Thomas Bryant torn ACL. Marquise Chris torn ACL. Yusuf Nurkic fractured foot. C.J. McCollum fractured foot. <laughs> Rui Hachimura he was blind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then got COVID, so counted him twice. Uh, Bam, Bam got COVID. <laughs> Tatum got Jesus COVID, uh, and then Chris, Christian Levert got traded, and then they found a lump on his kidney. So now at least, he's the, out. Well, at least the other guy didn't get he traded, and they tests. found out he was blind. <laughs> he, just, <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets traded, uh, and he's like, "JK, that. I can't see. <laughs> just kidding, I can't see anymore. Nice trade, dumbass." Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the action has been a lot better than my fantasy team results. Uh, the Nets-Cavaliers game tonight was actually probably the game of the season because uh, Kyrie Durant and uh, Kyrie Durant and Harden all played, and they lost actually to a guy that scored 42 on them <laughs> and beat them in double overtime. So, yeah. Yeah, I know, that, I know but, Kyrie was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Bulls are looking pretty good. I would say uh, I think they have good upside. The rookie they got this year is uh he's like a defensive stud and that's kind of what they need they just need a point guard now but they've lost a few games just by a few points so they could easily be in 500 and 500 is all you need to get into uh, the playoffs in the east and now they have the playoff tournament the play-in tournament so hmm. bearing uh bearing big injuries i think they'll be in there so that's at least a positive uh but yeah i mean i'm just enjoying it because fantasy is not going to be paying off any money but you're definitely onto it when you're talking about 500. You know, I know it's, it's super early in the year, but the Bulls are only one game out of a playoff slot. You know, you're always looking at, you know, 
sixth, seventh, eighth. You know, what do I need to be? You know, and the Cavs being at the sixth seed right now are 500. You know, then you you jump up to nine and seven, and you know, and you see eight to eight and six, and you know, all the way up to ten and five. Uh, you know, who would expect the Sixers to be you know ten and five? But uh, you know, because it's so early, you know, you still can have that optimistic, you know, that full hope that you know the Bulls can turn it around and, and do something. But they have a pretty well balanced team. You know, uh, the one thing they have shown is is they're not very good on defense. They're letting up a, a ton of points. Uh, letting up a lot of yeah, fast break really points, uh, and and they need to slow the game down. They need to turnovers to is a big problem too. They've been, I think they they might be leading the league in in that. So that's rough. But I agree 100 percent with all your points, and that's all we want is just some optimism because it's been you know the tank has been going on for so long in Chicago with the Bulls and just the previous regimen with the GMs and the ownership, and now we actually have a competent coach who's getting a. All star performances out of Zach Levine. So, well, there was a you know, there, was, are definitely looking up. There, there was a good way to pretend that you were listening to uh, to Nate the whole time. Yeah, no, yeah, but I agree with everything you said. <laughs> I agree with all your points. Nobody wants to listen to whatever, me, whatever they whatever they were. <laughs> listening to him. If you so, did, I deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> so, if the Bulls' uh, aspirations are fulfilled and they reach five hundred, then then they're just like the Bears. Chicago Yippee. sports. Yippee. No draft pick. Yay. Yay. Well, it wouldn't matter. The Bears will probably trade anything they have left to pick up some mediocre players somewhere in there. Well, the, the issue is what not with who the Bears pick up. It's that they don't know how to elevate the play of, of young athletes. You know, when you look yeah. at... Other teams, you know, the Patriots of the old, the Packers, you know, you know, and there's countless other teams that can take these guys and no one hears from them for a year or two. And then all of a sudden they go, holy crap, this guy's good because they're developing. The Bears don't know how to do that. If they did, they would be a much better team. They just piece together what they can and then put them on the field. And, and they're a 500 team every year. Well, and the thing I think is so frustrating is you talk about that, about developing young talent. And I see obviously what people like Mahomes or Deshaun Watson have become uh, as a direct comparison, but I'm even looking at like Justin Herbert now um, on the, on the chargers and the chargers, obviously they have their own woes that have held them back, but his play alone was a huge surprise to me. Like I know he was supposed to be a relatively high touted quarterback out of college, but one day he just came in and took the reins and despite whatever record they have, his his numbers have never been a question. Yeah, and surprisingly, the head coach of the Chargers was fired, Anthony Lynn. <laughs> yeah, well, that's got to be for the reason why you have a quarterback who's out here throwing over 300 yards a game, you know, two, three touchdowns, and you're losing all your games still somehow. It's got to be somebody's fault, and it's hard to blame the guy who has stats. But I agree with that development. I think that's a key point uh, that you make. Uh, Nate, and then even for nine quarterbacks, you know, look at Leonard Floyd. He's kind of a mediocre player for the Bears, although it looked like he had tremendous potential. He goes to the Rams, and now he's a superstar. You know, I don't want to bring this you, conversation crashing to a the, halt uh, because everyone's doing oh. so good, but, you know, I just want to throw it out there that uh, Brian Erlacher's brother was pardoned today. I don't know if anyone else saw that. Yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> I heard that, yeah. And Little Wayne as well. You know, I, Wayne I, and Kodak Black. I had completely pardoned. forgotten about 
I think his his offenses, I think, were related to gambling or something like that. I mean, I, I you know, in my personal opinion, I think that was I didn't think it was a very onerous pardon, especially compared to some of the other ones that. Oh yeah, so. not at all. It was just funny that it, was, it happened to be Relacker's brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do yeah, you guys think of the? Uh, I saw some rumors of a like a Deshaun Watson trade to the Bears. Is that you think that's possible? Like. Um, I don't. I don't think so, that's realistic. Well, but I've so, seen some chatter about it. Well, so I know they've been talking about it, and I think the only thing, the only question you ask yourself is that in a lot of them, they're trying to debate um, what a trade prospect is to get Deshaun. Because I know some yeah. rumors. Some rumors that come out about Miami possibly trying to trade him and Tua as a you know probably with some more compensation on Miami's end, but but as a sort of thing of saying Tua's good. But if you're rebuilding, maybe you can rebuild with him. We need Deshaun now, so I'll give you him and I'll give you some other stuff, you know, to get Deshaun in Miami. Um, there was the rumors you were talking about, and Twitter, I saw that he had posted, I, I mentioned this last week, that he had posted that he liked the Chicago weather. And, and, and that started everybody getting on Deshaun to Chicago. But the problem with Chicago is they probably don't have the money to pay him. And they don't have anything they can give anybody that they would want that in order to give it up, you would lose the entire reason for having Deshaun Watson. But they, they definitely need to make some big move or they're going to lose Allen Robinson. Yeah, I, I think, think they lost the nail to be honest. That's probably true. And, and that's entirely on, on the Bears themselves. But but realistically, like, like I said, it's one of those things where it's like Deshaun, they're they're pointing out why those are good, why it's a good move, but they're also looking at something like uh, New England. It's another landing zone where they've been talking about it because I know Cam was on a short quarter, or short contract, and obviously that didn't play out quite the way that they had expected it to. Um, but I think the problem, well, the problem with going to New England for Deshaun is it's not much different than the situation he's in now. Um, is uh, They're... they're distinctly lacking in offensive weapons uh and it wouldn't be the situation i'd want to get myself into um well they're lacking in offensive weapons that's very true but their defense is miles above the texans though that would be a big difference that's true and the coaching is a, is a much and the, improved. Co- and the coaching is you know 10 times better than what they got there yeah I, honestly i think most of it is just to play for money bart if you want my honest answer is i think he's just trying to pry some money out of the texans owner's hands and trying to trying to raise his stock values, realizing he could leave. And I know my dad was saying this last week, but they lost, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Can you imagine if they got rid of Deshaun Watson as well? Like, um, I mean, those those managers and everybody, they, they'd be laughed uh, out of the country. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, you don't give up. You don't give up true franchise quarterbacks. And he's him and Mahomes, you know, 15, 20 years from now, they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I, unless the takeaway, like you say, is humongous, you can't give away a franchise quarterback. They don't grow on trees. Well, what was the final numbers on Mahomes' contract? Does anyone have that? Because I was, I know it was ten years. Was it five hundred million dollars, with with some incentive or something? I'm trying to remember the exact numbers. It was something ridiculous like that. That he would have a ten-year contract for about half a billion dollars. Like. And, I, and honestly, I think when they're looking back at that, I see key, I see keys, I hear keys rattling, but um, 
I think 500, it's a, five, 503 million. Thank you. For 10 years, yeah. So I'm assuming Deshaun might be getting money, but it doesn't look anything like that. And honestly, I think that's the investment you want or he would want from Houston because he probably looks at it and goes, look, I, if you give me the right weapons, you know, I've taken us pretty far before. Um, and honestly, those are two quarterbacks that I feel like they're kind of close to being on a similar tier together um, when given the same weapons. I think Deshaun in Kansas would be would be really, really challenging. Um yeah. Well, where do you think he can go? You know, Watson's looking at right now what he's in the middle of a four-year, one hundred fifty. Excuse me, one hundred fifty-six million dollar contract. How much higher can he go? He's he's not a five hundred three million dollar over ten years. I you know I have I. I don't think he's worth that. But then again, I don't think most of the contracts that people are getting, other than Mahomes, are really worth the money that they are asking for. But realistically, I think. If it's not about the money, then he honestly wants to leave, and then you've got to look at who's got the most to trade to to pick him up. Uh, and I'm not 100% sure who that is. I thought the Miami one was an interesting one just because it's an appealing um, appealing role. I mean, Miami is just... They're, they were Ryan Fitzpatrick not getting COVID in the last game of the season away from making the playoffs. Um, so the team is, you know fairly ready to make some jumps. And if they got someone like Deshaun Watson, they might have some assets they might be able to to use to acquire him. But uh, but it would have to be a fairly steep price. But you've got uh, New England on that list too, just as an attractive spot, and they've got space. Um, yeah, I mean, eventually, if, if it's not about money, you just got to start looking. you got to find the assets and figure out who, who can who could possibly make that trade. You know, what's crazy to think about is when you look at your cap, you know, you look at the Bears. The Bears are currently at 104% of cap. They are a 500 team. How are you at 100%, over 100% of your salary cap? That's just insane to think about that you are not a good team and you are spending ungodly money. You know, you have a $26.6 million cap, which is 14.5% of your cap on Khalil Mack. Yeah, he's a great player, but to have him be 15% of your cap every year, you know, then you're looking at, you know, you know some other players. Uh, your next biggest one is 11%. That's Fuller. You know, how's a cornerback? 11% of your cap. That just doesn't make sense to me. Well, notably, I think I think technically you've kind of answered your question within, or you've answered your thought within your thought, and it's that they've used up so much cap space because they use it because they're really bad at it. Uh, and, and realistically, that's, that's the only thing I can think of is the is how you are a bad team, but you use so so much money, is because you are also very bad at using that money. So, the assets you acquire. I mean, the free market can give anyone a price, and that price can be wrong. And realistically, when the Bears get into the market with a price, it's usually wrong. Well, just to (laughs) to add to that point, you're absolutely right. The first offensive player to have the most cap space used is 5.5%. That is their tight end. 
how is that a thing that your first offensive player to have the most money tied up is your tight end? It's not Foles. Jimmy Graham. Oh shit. That's right even there. a guy Boom. that's even a that's even a guy who's doesn't even play that much, really. Yeah. No, that's I mean, that's crazy. And I mean obviously the reason that they tie so much into their defense is because they feel that that's that's uh, the name that we make is we're a tough defense you know so the people so you you feel like you have to come out with that defense all the time um but it is really a shame that they are yeah. so bad at managing their money you look at all these sports and the major ones have caps other than baseball and they got a luxury tax there but and managing the cap has become the gm's new primary responsibility because it's you know in the olden days it used to be a matter of how much money did the team want to spend? Big market teams had a huge advantage over little market teams, but now in football and some of these other sports, it's more a matter of managing the cap. So I think Nate is right on. But and you know, you, you look at people are willing to pay a certain percentage of the cap for true difference makers. So for example, you mentioned Khalil Mack. Well, it's thought at the time that he'd be a big difference maker, and he is really good. He's not. You know, his cap hits like twenty six point six million dollars. He's not worth that much, but. That's his cap. But you look at, at the wasted hits. Kyle Fuller, who's a cornerback, his cap hit is $20 million, 11% of the team's entire cap. Robert Quinn, uh, really, who's just well, a little better than average, maybe, he's got a $14.7 million cap hit. That's 8%. Insane. So it goes on and on. Eddie Jackson. I mean, Charles Leno, Leno, who I know you got to pay a lot for offensive linemen, but Charles Leno's cap hit is eleven point three million dollars. That's a for one that, that, That's a lot of money spent on constant holding penalties. So that, yeah, so that's the key is that you have, you know, you're willing to pay for difference makers, true difference makers. But there's too many guys on here who are just average or maybe slightly better than average, and they're paying a king's ransom for, it and it's just busting up their their cap hit. Well, I feel like some players, uh, they they know how to finesse the system. You know, they'll have like that contract year. And then once they get the money, they kind of take it a little easier. And it just take, it takes a special kind of player to, you know, want to keep getting better every year. And even though they made that money, you know, because it's like you've reached the uh, you reached your end goal kind of for some of them. It's like, you know. Are you, uh, I, I truly believe that some people don't care about winning. You know, yeah, it's, it's about... the Randy Moss thing. You know, I don't play every down. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I believe it, what you're talking about is Dion Waiters syndrome. Is uh, is what you're referring to? Exactly. Playing for the contract <laughs> exactly. and then just giving up. Um, it's definitely we've we've. It, there's no surprise here in, in our various analysis analyses analysis uh, of the Bears that. Uh, money management is not something that falls well into their, you know, wheelhouse. Uh, you know, and it's and it's, it's not going to change until you physically, I think honestly, much, much like uh, our prior president, things aren't going to change until you remove them. You know, the only thing I want to add is more of a funny note. You know, Nick Foles was supposed to come in and and be Nick Foles. You know. Everyone wanted him to be, you know, God's gift to Chicago. Granted, that's, you know, any bear coming in, a quarterback from, you know, Sexy Rexy to Olsen, to whoever. But, you know, looking at his cap hit, you had to know he was going to be detrimental when his cap hit legitimately is 
6,666,666. How can you expect anything when you have that as the cap hit? It, it, it sure seems, uh, yeah, looking back at it, it seems like it should have been a foresight you know, ahead of time. Um, well, I thought the funny thing is you're talking about, um, and they finished just better than it, but uh, one of my favorite things from the summer was looking at their uh, training camp uh, events and schedule and they were talking about having an event in July. And um, and the event was supposed to play, take place on the 9th. So, of course, they were, it was saying, you know, the Bears, 7 and seven and 9. You know, 7-9. You know, come to the, you can come to this event, blah, 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 and all that. And everyone's just commenting below, like, oh, why do you have to say 7-9? <laughs> you know, what is yeah. 7 and 9? Why do you have to bring that up? You know, because everyone was so terrified of that result for the year. Um, well, so we come to that fun part of the show. I'm going to have to make a graphic for this at some point in time. But, uh, Nate, I know you, you've not been a part of one of these. And um, uh, my dad uh, is full of fun facts. He's like a pinata of information. Um, it's like a pinata that hits itself. And opens onto the world, um, even when you weren't expecting it. Um, so, so these are these are fun facts that my dad has, and some of them are did you knows that he would like to put in a in the form of either did you know or I don't think most people realize blank. Um, so I would like yeah, to. Yeah, I think what, it kind of goes a little bit, un, a little bit under the category of trivia. So, so yeah, so it, it is a trivia of sorts. I'm sorry. We would like to call it. This is the "Did you know?" segment with my father. Thank you, thank you. Now this segment requires, and I'm going to have to take your word for it because I can't watch you. That you absolutely do not look these up. Don't look these up on your computer, your phone, and, and say, I know it, I know it. It's much more fun for you guys and for the audience if, if you take the best guess you can. So I'm going to ask you a few more a few questions and see if uh, you guys can take some guesses here. I found this kind of interesting. that The average person walking around probably doesn't know. This is going to be TV. Everybody watches TV. It's a popular thing for many years. So my first question, my first stumper is, what do you think is the longest running, and this is all American TV, by the way, not European, it's all American TV. What do you think is the longest running TV show of all time, of any, of any kind? It's got to be something like the, the Simpsons or Law and Order. So you're saying, you're saying, I was going to say, yeah. go ahead, Barbara. I'll let you go with uh, the Simpsons. I'll take law and order, but I just felt like I saw something recently about this, but it's not in my head. I'll go with law and order. See the, the, the longest running I, TV show of any type. Well, I think the weirdest thing that, that you you keep promoting the, of any type and that starts to feel more like a, I mean, does news fall under that category? Anything can fall under the category. I will um, say, like I say, it's American TV, and it, and it is national. You know, we're not talking about the local bozo show or something, but this is a n national shows. Mm -hmm. Both of those have been around for a long time, but I'm sure something else has 
surpassed it. I know it's going to be something weird since it's one of one of your questions. Um, I'm wondering if it's going to be like a late show of some kind or maybe a of any type starting to make me feel like a news broadcast is is the culprit. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna go with. I wonder if Jeopardy. I'm gonna go with Jeopardy. Well, Jeopardy's been on a long time. That's a good guess. The current, the current version of Jeopardy, I think, has been on for 36 years. And there was a version on before that, uh, hosted by Art Fleming. Before that, I think that lasted 11 years. So. And they weren't continuous, you know, between the two shows. But it, so that's been on, off and on for like forty, roughly forty-seven, forty-eight years. So that was yeah. A if you're talking uh, game show, I would go Price Is Right, man. That thing's probably been on forever. Or Family yeah. Feud, maybe even. Yeah. See, now those are really excellent guesses too. I I don't have the exact data in front of me, but you're right. I think Price Is Right's been on for like forty-eight years, something like that. But you know what the winner is in this is show that's still on today. You can watch it every Sunday. It's a national show. Meet the press. Meet the press. Never would have it's like a politics Pre show, right? Sunday right. mornings. Where you bring in prominent politicians and they interview them and <laughs> ask them the tough questions. Believe it or not, that show started in November of 1947 and is still on today. Wow. Uh, you can see it every Sunday morning. Yeah, I was thinking seventy three years. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking it was probably going to be Stop, something George news related. George Stephanopoulos, right? He's the host. Actually, it's Chuck Todd. George Stephanopoulos. Chuck, no, oh. no, he's on another show. Oh, over but, two. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Todd. <laughs> Chuck Just Tad for context, that is six years. two years after World War II ended. Yeah. <laughs> to to the time that World War Three began. <laughs> Well, I guess it was on. It was on radio. It was on radio starting in 1945. So it was on radio for two years before that. All right, let me ask you another question. Let's forget about meet. One. Let's forget about meet the press. Let me ask you another question. What do you think is the longest of any of any type? What is the longest running show that's scripted? So, like, meet the press is not scripted. People are asking questions over. What is the longest-running scripted TV show of any kind? Should we just go back to our original guesses? <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons. I was going to say, it takes, it, it takes all the game shows out. I, I can see now. I probably should have asked these in a different order, but that's okay. Um, uh, scripted shows, huh? Um, yeah, some previous guesses might be right. You never know. Yeah. Um, Well, you know what? I think they both kind of, they both been kind of hitting on the head. I'm gonna go with Law and Order. I'm just gonna stick with that. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with them on that. All right, we have a Law and Order. What were the other guesses? I think The Simpsons was one of the other. Simpsons. Um, how about I'm trying to think of any other weird ones? Uh, God, I I can't believe I'm flipping through like a giant TV guide of my life. <laughs> um. Would you consider would you consider like Sports Center to be scripted? No. Okay. 
This is where there's a story, you know, there's a plot. Oh, okay. Why do I have a feeling it's going to be like some like sappy soap opera or something crappy like that? Well, it's interesting you say Maybe that. Maybe like ER or something? Yeah, Winner, you're absolutely a good point. It is a soap opera. It's General Grace Hospital. Oh, General oh. Hospital. <laughs> General Hospital. Actually, tie, technically tied with The Guiding Light, another soap opera. Both have been on for 57 years. But General Hospital is the winner because General Hospital is still going now, whereas the Guiding Light was canceled a few years back. So General Hospital will continue on. But 57 years, uh, and some of these soap operas, not that one, but some of them like the Guiding Light and a few others, were on radio for quite a number of years before they hit TV. And I just, I can't believe that George Clooney was uh, was there 57 years ago. <laughs> Why you... <laughs> and he still looked good. And he still looked good. He still looked exactly the same as he does today. The, the miracle of vampire aging. All right, now I'm going to toss you a softball on my next one. Oh, boy. This is, I mean, you'll get this one for 100% sure. So now we, we, we move this down further. So it's going to be less years, obviously. So what is the longest running scripted primetime show of all time? What is the longest scripted primetime show of all time? Is it the Tonight Show? Is that? Is that well, I w- that's not scripted, because that's that's an interview show. Oh yeah, yeah. scripted. Whatever. I'm going Simpsons again. I'm just done with uh, it. <laughs> yeah, you got to stick with it. Fine, Law and Order. <laughs> we have a winner. It's Grey's the Simpsons. It, we have a winner. It's the Simpsons. <sighs> hey, what do I win, Bob? I knew they were in one of those categories. Simpsons has been on for 32 years, believe it or not. Started in 1989. Yeah, the, uh, and they've predicted the way too Homer many Simpson real things like in the so future. Weird. Yeah, what is that? They, they, they now there was a meme, and it was like how past generations predicted the future, and now it's just people watching The Simpsons to figure out what the future looks like because they've predicted yep. so many things over recent years. <laughs> yeah, I'm were. sorry. This is the best segment of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of a weird comment. You know, you see so often these shows last like six, seven years, and then they go off the air, and they interview the actors or the writers, and they're like, oh, we ran out of ideas. We have nowhere to go with the characters. And I look at The Simpsons, it's been on for 32 years, and it's still going strong. I, I think that's just an excuse. Well, yeah. Of course, Simpsons has a little bit of an advantage, though. If you see a lot of shows, unless they're wildly popular, most shows go off the air if they're modestly popular, they go off the air after no longer than seven years, okay? And the reason is because, and this was established many decades ago, back in the 40s in in a lawsuit, is the maximum time that a contract can be enforced with actors and actresses, and that is seven years. So that's why, you know, they sign these guys up for seven years, and then if the show lasts that long, usually goes off the air after seven years, because after that, everybody wants these humongous increases, you know, tremendous salary increases. Well, we so got, that's we why you'll have a show like Star Trek The Next Generation, for example, which was pretty popular, but it was syndicated, went off the air after seven years, and they started making movies because they could afford to pay, you know, Picard. They could they paid him $16 million, I think, for the last Star Trek movie he made. But they can afford that on a movie budget. They couldn't afford anything like that, you know, on a TV season. So that's why so many of your favorite shows go off the air after only seven years. Well, this is one of those wonderful things about the did you know segments um basically the pinata explodes and there's candy everywhere 
and, and then the pinata somehow gets refilled with candy and continues to spew <laughs> as you're picking candy up off the ground. That, that, that's kind of how I would categorize this segment. Hey, I just have one more. This is the last one. And once again, somebody's going to get it. All right, so The Simpsons is the longest-running scripted primetime show. Law but that's order. a But that's a cartoon. That's a cartoon. What is the longest-running scripted live-action primetime show? And I need an exact... I need an exact answer, though. So Law & Order is not specific enough? That's for you. Any other guesses? Um... Um, I am absolutely, I am drawing a blank. I'm going to go with Law and Order SVU. Yeah, that's the, that's been on for like 900 years. <laughs> yes, we have winners. It is Law and Order Ooh. SVU. Very good. It's been on for 21 years. Where Ice-T has been in the show for 17 years and he still confoundly doesn't understand how this all works. And, I, <laughs> and honestly, he was in the first couple of years too. Just no one knew he was there. He was part of the universe the whole time. Well, I will tell you, it was for, for many decades actually. It was kind of legend that the longest running primetime show, live action, was, was Gunsmoke, which had been on... From 1955 to 1975, it was on for 20 years. But then the regular Law and Order tied it, and they wanted to beat it. And uh, uh, Wolf, the uh, producer, wanted to continue on, but he got canceled. They wouldn't let him. So they exactly tied a 20 seasons apiece. But then, like, say, Law and Order SVU just kept chugging away. You know, SVU didn't come on the air till 1999. But uh, like say a year or so ago, it passed them up at 21 seasons. But some of the shows on this list boggle the mind. So, for example, at 19 years is Lassie, which I don't know if any of you guys ever Jesus even remember. Christ. It was a show it, it about was a, on, it was on the air. Yeah, for we remember Lassie. We're not that young. <laughs> I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't. It's about well, a collie. Well, we're that about a collie well, dog. We're that young, but we're but we're not that uh, daft. No, you know, you'd, you'd have to catch in reruns. But I mean, 19 years? Jesus. Or like Family Guy. Family Guy's been on for 19 years. Wow. Yeah, that, no, that just shows you how quickly time passes. NCIS, 18 years. You know, somebody mentioned Grey's Anatomy earlier. 17 years. American Dad. Can you believe it's been on for 17 years? <laughs> oh, my God. What? Wow. Started in 2005. Oh my God. 17 seasons, you know, including the, the current season. Hmm. Uh, CSI, actually, I, I actually didn't know they were still going. Yeah, they're still going. Crime but if CSI, it was Bob's Burgers, you would. CSI, well, I, well, yeah, yeah. I, I have no doubt Bob's Burgers could get to the, could get there. They, they just started quite a bit later. You got things like CSI, ER, as someone mentioned, Supernatural, Criminal Minds, all been on 15 years. The Jack Benny program was on for 15 Can years. Can I ask a quick question? Did anyone mention Grey's Anatomy or Supernatural? Did, did that I saw Grey's somebody Anatomy. mentioned Grey's Anatomy, yeah. Did someone I mention Supernatural? Well. No, Why would no. you do that? 
Yeah, that's a bad show in my opinion. But <laughs> you know, now if we're talking, you know, sci-fi, you know, the the two best are Doctor Who and Stargate SG One. But that's the nerd in me. I mean, how long has Doctor Who been in seasons? God, I know they were off for a while, but yeah, Doc, Doctor like, Who started like in 1962, but it has yeah, not been continuous. It is stopped it, in 89 and then came back in like the mid to late 90s and has been going strong since. Is that the only, is that the contingent here, Dad? Is that you, you're looking at a show as far as its American. consistent seasons as well? Well, I said I had to be American. Oh, that's Doctor, true. Okay, Doc, so Doctor Who is British. That's true. Yeah, so I said, said this is an American TV. Hey, by the way, he's not British. He is a Time Lord. And that is very different. <laughs> but the show Loophole. is British. The, sh- the show is British. By the way, there's been, uh, believe it or not, there were two Doctor Who movies. Did you know that? Does anyone know who starred in them as Doctor Who? These older movies? Cumberbatch. All right, we have one Benedict Cumberbatch. I guess I just, Any other guesses? I, well, he said that very certainly, so I don't know how certain he is about that. Give me a percentage on your certainty, Nate. One-tenth. Of a percent? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was a random guess. No, he he's a very good Doctor Who, and it was during when they started getting back into the limelight. So to me, it seems logical that he would have been in in a movie. I have no idea if that's accurate, though. When was he Doctor Who? I'm, I, I... Two Doctors ago. That doesn't sound right. Am I am I, am I wrong? I thought it was it was David Tennant. Then it was, oh crap, who's the next guy in line? Um, I'm completely blanking on his name. It was David Tennant. Then it was Matt? Matthew? Matt Matt Smith, wasn't it? Matt Smith. And then, isn't it a woman now? Yeah, I guess here's, here's the list, by the way. The very first Doctor Who, this is back, I said, in uh, the mid-60s, I guess. I guess it was 63. I think I said 62 earlier. I guess I, it was 1963. I don't suppose Peter Cushing was Doctor Who, was he? Well, here's the list. William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton, John Pertwee, Tom Baker. Of course, Tom Baker was Doctor Who for seven years. He's the longest-serving Doctor Who. Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, and now Jodie Whittaker, as you mentioned, the first female doctor. Was But I meant as, as far as the movie was concerned, is it, are we talking old enough to be Peter Cushing? Yeah, these are old films. We're talking about films that played in a theater. You know, this is not, not TV movies. There were two Doctor Who movies, so who was the star? I'm going with Peter Cushing. Any other guesses? I'm really bad at, at this type of stuff, so I have no guess. We have a winner. Peter Cushing. Well done. One of the all-time great horror stars, and obviously with Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars. Played Doctor Who in two movies. And as Jay pointed out, they're pretty old. 1965, Doctor Who and the Daleks, and then... 1966, we had Daleks Invasion Earth, 2150. And I guess the, the logic was they, they wanted a bigger name. They you know, obviously have the, a bigger budget logic, for movies. The logic was Peter Cushing is absolutely amazing. 
so they wanted their film to be amazing. So the transitive property. That that too, that's very true. But they, you know, a lot of times when they make a movie, they want a bigger name than the guys who are on TV. So that's kind of how, kind of how Cushing got drafted. But yeah, I mean, they were decent films. I've seen them both. They're pretty decent, but but uh, they do they do vary a little bit from the story of of the TV Doctor Who. But it's interesting. You know, that's one final comment. We talk about they wanted bigger names for movies. That is what really held back, believe it or not, Julie Andrews for quite some time. You know, and even in the fifties, Julie Andrews was a huge Broadway stage star. I mean, she was the one actually who was the the Guinevere and in Camelot, for example, and uh, uh, she was in a, a few other ones. But then when they made the movies in the early sixties, uh, she got passed over for bigger actresses, bigger named actresses. And it was only kind of by by good fortune that Walt Disney saw her in something and, and put her in Mary Poppins and all of a sudden you know, became a huge, enormous you know, movie star. But th that happens a lot uh, over the time is that you, you may be sensational on Broadway or whatever, but then when they make a movie because there's such a big budget attached to it, then they want a bigger name all of a sudden. Well, I was going to say Peter Cushing, also the very willing star of Shockwave, <laughs> the uh, the best. Well, what was the quote on that movie? It was the best, hey. the best something Nazi zombie no, movie have, of all you time. You have to admit, you have to admit that was the best Nazi zombie movie ever made. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's in it's in rare company. Um, oh God, it was, it was Shockwave too. I don't think it's related in any way, shape, or form. Um, I forgot the the quote. I wish I could. I wish I had the box sitting in front of me, because uh, the quote on the front of it is one of my favorite uh, things. Here it goes: Shockwaves, nineteen seventy seven. Um, oh no! I think it was the back. Once they were almost human, beneath the living, beneath beyond the dead, from the depths of hell's ocean. Shockwaves, starring. Peter Cushing and John Carradine and a whole lot of nobody else. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing, too, is that there's so many, you know, especially these old timers like a Peter Cushing. Uh, there's so many actors that no matter how famous or how well they did for decades, in Cushing's case, horror films, and then they die off. And then years later, and they're lucky. Uh, the only thing they get remembered for is some role near the end of their career, you know, that. Maybe they only had a bit role or something. You know, Peter Cushing had this long, long, distinguished career, especially in horror films. And really, the average person walking around today, the only thing they can think of is he was he was Tarkin, you know, in Star Wars. That's what they remember him from. Well, I know we've kind of now we've kind of uh, alienated Bart, probably for for long enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember what, I think we had early discussions about movies, and I remember you admitting. Um, a similar knowledge to to movie histories in an, in an earlier podcast. Um, I have the uh, the knowledge of a Polish immigrant fresh off the boat of, uh, <laughs> of Ameri of old American movies. So, let alone sorry. cult classic British <laughs> movies. Well, anyway, um, congratulations! You guys actually did pretty good on that. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, those were uh, stumpers for sure. Definitely made you think. Think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, go go ahead, Nate. You were you're uh, 
I was just going to say it's always nice to know we didn't suck. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> we call that a, a Bears performance. So. <laughs> or maybe we should adapt it to Blackhawks, I guess. It's a Blackhawks. When we, you did better we than the Blackhawks. Um, uh, so so um, that kind of comes to this part of this the show that seems pretty much like a logical end here, unless anyone has any uh, severe points to mention. Um I know we've kind of we've covered almost uh, most of the things I could think of that are going on right now, um, and then movies for far longer than I had actually expected in the beginning. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for joining me though today. Uh, my co-host Bart and my dad uh, and my brother-in-law Nate for joining us in on here on a on a nice four-man crew on a inauguration Wednesday. Almost forgot what day it was, so thank you guys for joining. Course. Thank you so much for hosting. Very welcome. Thank you, uh, thanks for the invite, and Joe for uh, for being on as well. So. Yeah, absolutely, this is um, it's always great to talk to everybody. Uh, anyone who's um, who uh, has gotten this far or even started the podcast uh, to listen to it, if there are in fact anyone, if anyone is out there, um, I'd like to thank you for listening and thank you for getting this far in it. Hi, mom. It's good. It's good to- <laughs> <laughs> the, the one person who's still listening at this point um so yeah i'd like to thank everyone for uh, for listening um well you know where to find us so i'm not going to plug where to listen because you're currently listening to me but we're on facebook we have a page under surviving the ground uh we are uh, we have a group on there uh under surviving the ground as well and on twitter at the stg podcast um me having to pick that as a name bothers me as to why I did. I don't believe it that this name is taken by anybody of meaningful, yeah, yeah, of good means uh, to stop us. But <laughs> so we are there. We have a presence, and you'll usually you'll find fun little sports tidbits there. Um, but yeah, as usual, thank you for listening to the fun little hour and a half romp of our show. Um, and I hope everybody has a good week. Hopefully your um, all your picks go the way you want them. Hopefully everybody wins the money they want. And uh, yeah, let's hope for a good football Sunday. Yeah, let's hope. Some good games, good close games. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Goodbye, everybody.